Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Almost everybody TCU played this year walked off the field and went, how the hell did we lose? I wish you to beat those guys. I think we're better than those guys. And it's like, yeah, well, yay. SI's Russ Dillinger. You know, it was a struggle in the third quarter. And man, when he had to do it, he did it. And uh, he made some money throws on those last two drives. Is really, it was really something to see. And SI's Pat Forty. And you have the alleged best offensive line in the country against a defense that's pretty middling, and all of a sudden you're gonna get cutesy pie with that crap on fourth down? Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod 2023. Happy New Year. And man, did we come in with a bat. Woo, woo. Majorly. We didn't think it was gonna be the greatest games. We thought uh, Michigan and Georgia would win handily. We were all wrong. Mm-hmm. Indicative of the season, Dan, in our pick. Indicative yeah. of the season. We were not alone. <laughs> TCU, 51. Michigan, 45. Horn Frogs, the national title game. Started the season unranked with a new coach. Hadn't won 10 games since 2017, I think. Georgia Bulldogs, 42. Buckeyes of Ohio State, 41. Comeback victory for the ages. Bulldogs go for their second consecutive national title. Everything will be in L.A. uh, a week from Monday. But let's start. So we're going to have the Stetson Bennett-Max Duggan championship matchup. (laughs) just as we all predicted yes (laughs) the duel Stetson Bennett who was benched like four of the six years or five of the six years he's been in college (laughs) and Max Duggan who was the backup for TCU at the beginning of the year yeah backup against a walk-on now unbelievable night of football uh we have suffered in this sport through some some really Terrible semifinal matchups, lopsided semifinal matchups, uninspiring semifinal matchups. We have rarely, if ever, had an actual Cinderella, if you will. 
I think TCU qualifies by this top-heavy sports standards. It was an exciting night. You didn't know what the heck was going to happen. Let's start in Atlanta where you guys were. Ohio State, they had this thing. They were up up 38-24 going into the fourth quarter, and Georgia just absolutely uh, wouldn't give up. The ending, uh, they, they come back and score uh, 17 points or 18 points, right? What they call yeah. it? Yeah, 18 points, sorry, to uh, to Ohio State, 17. Buckeyes had a shot at the end. Noah Ruggles misses the 50-yarder. Felt terrible for him on that. Asking a college kid to hit a 50-yarder at the at the gun. This is not Adam Vinatieri, uh, and no. he didn't come close unbelievable timing i don't even know if you guys know this that thing the kick (laughs) the kick commenced with like two seconds left in the year (laughs) and landed in like 2023 right at right (laughs) as the ball dropped kicked in 2022 landed in 2023 amazing oh wow uh yeah like impossible timing there was uh a, a guy named Bill D, D. Filippo on uh, Twitter uh, works for uh, a couple different places. Was apparently in Columbus, Ohio, at a bar. The bar had it set up so that balloons would drop at midnight. <laughs> oh no! And <laughs> the exact moment the kick went through, Happy New Year! Balloons dropped. Ohio State loses. Oh, yeah, Lord. the kick. Yeah, the kick didn't go through. It was uh, either going to yeah. be the greatest yeah. or the worst. Uh, yeah, oh, balloon drop. He had pictures of the balloons. Oh, uh, I tried man. to ask him what bar it was. He called it the worst read of the room in human history. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Tells that people were angrily stomping on the balloons. <laughs> no one is happy. Can you imagine? Happy no. New Year. You lost. <laughs> and there's your balloons. Oh Incredible. God. These are like big balloons, too. Wow. Yeah, that was the kind of night it was. Oh, my Lord. What a miserable new year for, for Ohio State. Woof. Pat, what happened down there? I'll just start with you and just get, give us just give us some thoughts. Yeah, well, this, the old, one of the oldest cliches in football, and it does, for as near as I can figure out, it goes back to 1941, Game of Inches. This was Game of Inches, Game of Seconds, uh, by which Georgia survived. There was like three plays where a few inches here, a few inches there, one second here, one second there. Ohio State is playing for the national championship. Georgia is out. The first one, the Kirby Smart calling timeout a fraction of a second before Ohio State runs a fake punt, keeps the ball, keeps the drive alive and has a chance to put the game away. He barely gets the timeout in because he recognizes the formation is fishy, suspicious, and so he's like, nope, calls the timeout. And that's play number one. Play number two. Hold on, hold on. There's some Buckeye fans saying that there's a fraction too late. Maybe so. Most clutch mm. timeout ever. It was really close. Yeah, when he called it, you remember he he like ran down the sideline and called it 
probably what three seconds before the snap, and they did. didn't see it. Then he went right into the official's face, and he yeah. finally saw it. But as the official was like waving his arms to stop the clock, snap. The, the ball snap had been snapped. Off. The ball had been snapped. Yeah, so it, it was it was it was tight. I don't know what the ruling is on that. He was signaling, then he was. But anyway, they called yeah. it timeout. Yeah. Greatest yeah, timeout so, I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, right. And I, I asked Kirby. I said, "Did you know? Did they did they call down on the headset for you to you know that that this was a fake?" He all right. So there's three channels on a headset, right? If you're the head coach, you get an offensive channel, defensive channel, special teams channel. He's still on the defensive channel because it was a defensive series. On the special teams channel, they're saying it's a fake, it's a fake, it's a fake, but he's not on there. So he notices on his own and bangs the timeout, saves the day there. And then the two matter of inches plays where Brock Bowers is called down short of a first down. Replay review, he gets it because he's a ridiculous athlete who puts one hand down and keeps his body off the ground just far enough to get a first down. And although they botched the end of that series, they get a field goal out of it where they would have gotten nothing. And then the third one, defensive back uh, Javon Bullard, who just blew up Marvin Harrison, gets there just in time and just barely avoids a targeting call. He hits him more with the shoulder than with the head. It was a vicious hit, but I think it was a clean hit. It knocked Marvin Harrison out for the rest of the game, which was huge, mm. and it also prevented a touchdown. Saved him four points there. Any three, any one of those three plays goes the other way, and we're talking about Ohio State pulling off a huge upset. Well, and, you know, there's another play, too. It's another fourth down play. We talked about the punt, but in the second quarter, I think Ohio State was up either 21 to 7 or 21 to 14 and they went for a fourth and one and they converted it with Stroud around the end they had an illegal motion and in mm, both of these yep. plays in the fourth down in the in the second quarter and on the fake punt Georgia got the ball on a punt after each of those plays and scored scored a field goal on one scored a touchdown on the other so yeah i mean it just you 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 go back and you look at how close this game was. It was a one-point margin, and uh, it was indicative of how the game was played. Like, it was it was really tight. It was really close. It was incredibly exciting. I mean, it was one of the better games for the moment. Like, being a semifinal, CFP semifinal with the National Championship game on the line, for the moment, it was maybe the best game I've ever watched. I mean, I, it, it was right up there with that Rose Bowl game that everybody talks about, right? Like, for the moment and that how good of the game was, yeah, it was it was incredible. And, you know, I wrote a lot tonight about C.J. Stroud, like, uh, just incredible performance, played, played awesome, used his leg, used his arm. You know, his numbers were, were incredible. And, uh, you know, he was heading toward a, an MVP and continuing his great story, um, he's got he's got a hell of a like rags to riches type story, and he was right there. And then, really, in the end for Ohio State, because I had that angle, Pat had Georgia, and in the end for Ohio State, it was defensive lapses late, and and, and that's been the case with them for a while. There were three for me. There were you know Pat went through three plays. There were three plays defensively for Ohio State where a defensive back on each play, like screwed up, got lost, got turned around got outplayed in some way on coverage and they were all late in the game. You had a, you know, the 76 yard touchdown that Georgia had on the first play of a series that pulled them within six points. You know, Ransom got turned around on a great move by uh, Mitchell 
by Georgia's receiver. And then you had Mitchell do it again to Burke. A safe, I think that was uh, Arian Smith with the touchdown. Oh, Arian. Yeah, Arian, Arian Smith uh, was the long bomb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mitchell was Mitchell the got later it late. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Mitchell had the, yeah, in the end zone, and he kind of turned Burke, the defensive back, kind of around a little bit in the end zone, too. So credit, you know, credit. Credit George's receivers too for making some some good moves and uh, just timely moves where they just kind of out juked, you know, and, and spun around Ohio State's secondary. And uh, just we're we're it's we're gonna get a few details wrong because we're still yeah. head spinning. It's also three twenty seven in the morning. We're taping. This, so. <laughs> Yeah, who the hell knows? And, and sobriety yeah. is optional. We we I think we we have the beer well in hand. So there's some drinking Props and, to, and, and yes, the Peach Bowl host, media hospitality room, which was still open at two fifty eight, allowing hey, us don't to get sneak in, in trouble. and get a couple of don't, beers. Don't get them in trouble. And you know, so we're gonna we're gonna do our best here. We don't have some elaborate. Uh, you want the uh, the fact checking? This is it. We're it. <laughs> there's no. We have no fact checkers. And let me start with this. Ohio State, this is just a punishing loss. Look, they were they were humiliated on November 26th in Columbus. Uh, the program was humiliated. Michigan beat them up late in the game, pulled away, and just sort of rattled everything. And they kind of, they back into the playoff. They don't play again, but still get in. Six and a half point dog, although that starts to drop late. I think it was down to five and a half or something. They came out and played. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they you know, and you're going to get that talk. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're playing harder now. We learned. We learned our lesson. We're going to do this. And this is what we talked about on the last show. I remember saying this is a very prideful program, but this team hasn't shown any pride all year. Not much. So they're talking a good game and maybe it's true and they're going to come out and play. But maybe they aren't. And they came out and played. Mm-hmm. Stroud obviously was was uh you know was terrific. Uh four touchdowns. Um and then, you know, the 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 different plays he made in the game, the twenty seven yard run, the setup that that looked like it was gonna set up the game winning field goal, um yeah. all the different things he did, you know, he's 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 a, a very interesting talent. Still times he's inaccurate, but man, he can also make you some plays. The offensive line I thought was incredible. There was just no Georgia pass rush for a long time in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran hard. Ryan Day got the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., which they did not do enough of uh, against Michigan. Th- this team did everything pretty much you need to do to win the game, and they just didn't win the game. But I thought that part for for Ohio State was just an incredible effort, and and you know they were just so close to winning, getting to the championship game where they probably would have been a, a double digit favorite to win the national title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those you know like a, a basketball Final Four, and I don't want to slight TCU, and we'll get to them, but but where you you get the feeling that the national championship was probably decided tonight by who was going to win this game. Yeah. And believing that is at your own peril as Michigan. We'll get to that. Yeah, if you no, believe no. Me. Yeah. But yeah. they had it. They had this yeah. thing. Yes. I, I mean, then, I thought Ohio State played great. Yeah. I thought they played a fantastic game. There were some huge defensive lapses, but yeah, that like the offensive line held up phenomenally. 
the receiving core was as advertised. C.J. Stroud was incredible, I thought, because, okay, let's think about this in totality. First of all, you come into the year, everybody by acclamation says the best receiver in the nation is Jackson Smith and Jigba. He doesn't play basically all year, and C.J. Stroud still ends up being a Heisman finalist. So he's dealing, and Marvin Harrison becomes the man. Marvin Harrison gets blown out of the game in the third quarter. And he's still taking him down the field. And he's not been a runner. And all of a sudden, he's making all these plays running. I just thought he played his guts out and showed an extra dimension of a guy who can who can play in adversity and make plays when things are not going well, uh, you know, for the team around him against a great opponent. So I, I take my hat off to C.J. Stroud. I have much greater appreciation, I think, for him today than I did beforehand. Yeah, he answered the a lot of critics. You know, he was he was feeling it. I think he was hearing it from um, Ohio State fans. You know, his his mom told me earlier this week that he that he received him and several players in the Ohio State team actually received like death threat type of things on social media and messages from fans. Uh, so he was feeling it pretty good, and you could tell he he came out with something to prove, and you could tell in the post game also he came out purposefully with an intent to defend his coach. And, and he spent a lot of time defending Ryan Day, defending his coaching abilities. Because, you know, you, you've you heard a lot of buzz about Ryan Day. And his, even though he's, whatever, 46 and 5 or 45 and 6 at Ohio State, you've heard some buzz. So it was pretty clear that the Ohio State team had heard that Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud and everybody else on that team and uh, it was pretty clear tonight that they had heard that, and they they worked and had an incredible game plan. They worked really hard the last month and had an incredible game plan. Ryan Day said that they charted how many reps they took in bowl practice, and they took uh, 1,500 reps in preparation for this game, which seems insane and higher yeah. than normal. That's 100 you know, per bowl practice, you know, right? That's like a, a 100 reps per practice. So... Um, yeah, they they clearly came in with an incredible game plan to get the get the ball into their best players, and they lost one of their best players. Obviously, the tight end Cade Stover was was gone most of the game. So, they uh, I told somebody tonight that uh, you know Georgia like is the better team, but Ohio State played better and probably should have won. So, let's just do this now. I was gonna maybe gonna get to it later, but yeah, it was interesting. Stroud, you know, Ryan Day's like, hey, you know. It's not the plays I call, it's the players. And Stroud's like, you can't, as a player, you can't make good plays unless they call good plays. All of that. Let's get to the criticism part. Stroud makes the incredible run, 27 yards. It was like a gasping, you know, you can't believe he's pulling this off. He passes on the TV, the little, which I hate, field goal range sign. It's a career, career long. Yeah, not with zero, zero, zero on the clock. It's a, you know. Whoever in television set that up is not a parent mm-hmm. of a kicker or a goalie <laughs> or a, like, oh, I got to hit this. Like what? Uh, but they get down to the, they get to the Georgia 31 and it's first and 10, 24 seconds left. They've got timeouts. He runs Dallin Hayden right up the middle or a little bit to the left. He gets tackled by uh Uh, Malachi uh, Starks, bad play. 
it felt in that moment like Ryan Day believed the little marker that says you're in field goal range. <laughs> they needed 10 more yards. And that play felt like a surrender play. Instead, they lose really a yard and a half. And now they're on their heels. It changed the momentum. There was an incomplete pass, and then Stroud almost gets sacked to basically end the game on third and 11. Uh, they would have had to go on Hail Mary. He throws it, and it sets it up now at the 32. They got to push it back to the 40. It's a 50-yard field goal. They needed five, eight, ten yards. Like that's not field goal range. I just it's a college kicker. I feel just terrible for college kickers at that at that moment. But I felt like that was the moment that they stepped off the pedal and and gave this game back was that one call. And I know it's brutal to make a uh, a very well coached game down to one call. But as Pat said earlier, it's a game of inches. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think on that moment? Yes, agree completely. I, I couldn't. I was surprised when they did it, and then in retrospect, it's like, oh my god, you're playing for a 50-yard field goal. And they're look. Noah Ruggles had a very good career. The last two years, he was 20 of 21 last year. He was 15 to 17 this year. He had never made a 50-yarder in his college career. So you don't leave him with a 50-yarder. He was 0 for four, 0 for three as a freshman, and then 0 for one this year. Long of 47 this season, they absolutely should have had Stroud throwing on that first down. You know, even if you, and and again, yeah, just throw a tunnel screen, a bubble screen, a slant, something for five, 10 yards there, just to, because A, okay, does it make that much difference between he's he's six for six from 40 to 49? One more yard, as you said, Dan, the pressure of, the national championship hopes are on the line with no time left. Yeah, it makes that well, much difference. You've got to lay everything in. you got to lay everything into a 50-yarder. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's just, you know, like that thing never stood a chance. Look, Adam Vinatieri is the most clutch kicker we've ever had. He hit a 48 and a 41-yarder to win Super Bowls for the Patriots. Like that first one, like yeah. one of the greatest kicks of all time, right? 50, I mean, you know, yeah, Justin Tucker or somebody, but still at the at the end, like, it's just not field goal range to me. Right. Yeah. The he, pressure he, of that moment. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it, he uh, he did answer it. Somebody did ask him about that, you know, in the, in the press conference, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, and he did cite the two timeouts. You know, he said something like, you know, well, if we didn't have the two timeouts, maybe, maybe we wouldn't have done that, but we had the two timeouts. And so he said any couple of yards right there can add to the field goal. So obviously he was hoping to just get inside that 50 marker. And then, you know, actually, as I was saying earlier, how C.J. Stroud was, you know, defending like pretty purposely in the press conference multiple times interjected to defend Ryan Day. He he interjected here and he said it was a good call. It was a great call. But it, it certainly was an interesting call that that – can be can be argued, especially since Stroud was obviously playing really well. Given that, of course, in second and third down, they you know he threw incomplete and almost got sacked in a third down. That would have been where they wouldn't have yeah. even tried a field goal. But um, yeah, it was a three play sequence that will be remembered sorely for a while in Columbus. I mean, if it works, it's the right play, but it didn't. 
No. And I, I will say that just real quick, that was like a a gutsy like jailbreak blitz on third down from Georgia. If mm. if Stroud mm. can can settle it all and find somebody, there had to have been yeah. somebody open, but they were just yeah. all over them. They blitzed everyone. I mean, one of the great things about watching this game was that it was like gutsy all around. And that was, I mean, there was, everyone was going for broke. I mean, how about, how about Ryan Day called a fake punt on his own, like what, 28 yard line? I mean, something like that. 34. Yeah. Right. In the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter. I mean, and, and they had it, they really did. But I mean, boy. That was, and it was funny. I even said to Ross, Ross was sitting next to me, and I was like, wait, Igbuka's not off the field. He had lined up far left on the punt, so that was definitely not the right alignment. So I figured they were going for the fake, and Kirby Smart saw it before I did long enough to call the timeout. All right, Georgia, heart of a champ, right? Stetson Bennett comes down to having a great last 10 minutes. I mean, one was a 76-yard touchdown, but... That final drive for the for the TD, you know, he marched him down five plays, seventy two yards. You know, just made a number of really really nice throws when it mattered. You know, look at I'm the first one to keep waiting for him to not be able to do this. He did it. <laughs> did it again. Law firm coming through. He was not great for parts of the game. He looked overwhelmed at times. He did. Ohio State's defense got to him. He threw a pick. He got sacked. There were some three and outs, but you know what? The last, when, when they needed him, Stetson Bennett was as good as anybody on that. It's he the did. story of his career. Yeah. It really is. And 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 you are the microcosm of his haters. I Dan. am. You, Dan. I am. You. <laughs> uh, it, it was crazy. And You've Pat and counted I were him right, out. Pat and I were sitting right next to each other during the game, and we kind of kept looking at each other like, what the F is Stetson doing? Because... He was double clutching a bunch. He just seemed really nervous. He was just all over the place. He was throwing high. He was missing. It was just weird. You don't see him doing that very often. And, you know, after at halftime, like Kirby pulled him aside as they're walking off the field. And it was clearly like a chill, Stetson, chill. And, you know, then they came out in the third quarter and they looked, they looked the same. You know, it was a struggle in the third quarter. And, man, when he had to do it, he did it. And uh, he made some money throws on those last two drives. It was really, it was really something to see. Yeah. That, uh, so Stetson said by his own acknowledgement, he said, I felt there was a 30-minute period where I just played bad football. And I don't disagree with him. He did. Including his description of his lateral that he threw, which was really just a terrible call oh, by Todd Munkin. Yeah. Yeah. But he said, freaking I threw a lateral. Stupid. <laughs> and he said that with Kirby sitting next to him, and Kirby just closed his eyes for like five seconds, like, oh my God, I can't believe we survived that. But anyway, stat, here's his numbers for the last three drives, okay? Let's see if we can find them here. Mm-hmm. I'm looking through mm-hmm. my story yep. now. Yeah. His overall numbers are good. I can't imagine the last three drives. The last three drives, he was 12 for 14 for 207 yards. And two touchdowns, and all three were scoring drives. Like, season on the line, career on the line. And bang, bang, bang. And, yeah, all right, he had a wide-open layup with Arian Smith when Lathan Ransom fell down, but there was some really good throws, especially on the last drive. Two minutes left, you're out of timeouts, 
you got to make the plays. And and he was threading them down the middle of the field. So that was phenomenal. And he, he did walk off, I think, and say, that's for you, Dan Wetzel. I think at the end. <laughs> he always doubted me. He thought JT <laughs> Daniels was better. <laughs> uh, hey, he, 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 he proved me wrong. He's 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 wild, man. His interviews are great. I mean, he's twenty five years old. That's one of the yeah, things right. About. Yeah, I said no, it and, the, and yes, he is. He's a wonderful interview. Yeah, he cried. He cried on the field, like yeah, 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 he, he cried just yeah, like last right. year. Yeah. Just yeah. like last year, Stetson wept. Stetson wept. <laughs> and now, you my know, favorite Stetson Bennett stat is the same age as Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> He's still got That's eligibility, too, doesn't he? Is he going to, or is he just going to turn pro and join the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? He's going to, I mean, he's, 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 he's still got eligibility. He must. I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> he, his, he got to college in 2017. He took a knee to win that game in 2023. I mean, yeah, about, yeah, that's true. Just into 2023. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Who had a worse night, Michigan or Ohio State? Uh, the answer to that is the Big Ten. Ah, <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, something we were Yeah, but yeah. they're not aligned. Yeah. They're not aligned. Yeah. There's no right. Big yeah. Ten chance. The Ohio State fans are cheering for Michigan to lose. And want them to lose every single play. And the Michigan mm-hmm. fans are dying because they lose to TCU. And then they're about to watch freaking Ohio State, who they thought they had vanquished, come mm-hmm. back, beat Georgia, and they're going to roll in and beat TCU and win the national championship. And then there's all these people like Michigan State fans just hate them both. So <laughs> it just isn't that like they're just, there's not that like, well, this is Big Ten pride. No, it's like, oh, God. Like I mean, what a miserable night for both of them, though. But I think it was worse for Ohio State because they had it, and they knew they. Yeah. And whether this is true or not, and it shouldn't be, they all think they're going to beat TCU. Yeah, right. So once yeah. TCU yeah. got in the final, like, uh, like all... TCU sitting here thirteen and one. Yeah, right. Well, and and look at the uh, look at the spread, the early line. I don't know if y'all have seen the early line. Thirteen, uh, this, and a half, yeah, thirteen right? and a half. Yeah, thirteen and a half uh, point favorite. Georgia it probably would have been ten TCU. for Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. I guess Michigan was yeah. only seven and a half. I don't know. It was bad for both. That's about all. There's a miserable. There's some misery in Ohio and Michigan on 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 Sat on yeah. Uh, Sunday morning. Yeah, in the big yeah, balloon drop. I mean, that's a terrible timing. At least Michigan fan got to have like an hour, a couple hours in their feelings, and then could just drink the rest of the night away. And then the end, it it felt good because their rival lost. <laughs> I don't know what good happened for Ohio State, other than they get you know. Because even then, you'd be like, "Ah, Michigan's going to lose to Georgia." And this is a this is a but like going back to what Pat said, this this is a tough one for 
Chicago. This is a tough one for the Big Ten. They had two in, and the odds are they're going to have at least one in the championship game, and maybe this is the year they can get they're one off the SEC, right? And in the SEC was down, kind of down this year. We've seen we've seen in the postseason what they're like. The SEC is like four and six or something in bowl games, four and seven or something like that. Like it's not good. And this was going to be the year in, and here we sit where George is thirteen and a half point favorite, and 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 makes it eight years in a row that an SEC team is in the championship game in sixteen of the last seventeen. Uh, they were just this close uh so this is a tough one for um for the big 10 as its commissioner may or may not be heading out the door so it's interesting times in yeah whether they have a commissioner or not yeah Yeah. so tcu michigan another wild game (laughs) the third quarter alone 44 points oh my god uh tcu won the game eight yeah (laughs) it's unbelievable Uh, i think tcu won the game like they lost the game three times, one at four. <laughs> I mean, there were times yeah. I mean, TCU never trailed in this game, but it felt That's like amazing. there were times when you're like, "Would you rather be Michigan right now or TCU?" And you're like, "I'll take Michigan." Yeah, yeah they never, they never did it. Absolutely wild game and and comeback for Michigan, but they could never quite get over that that hump and and take the lead and do it. Now there are a few different things. The the I said this on Twitter. This was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen, and I rarely bad, complain huh? about the officiating. Oh man, and the, it was bad the, for both of them. Yeah, like I mean, there were there were missed pis, there were oh. weird spots. The roughing they kept the passer was one the, of the worst in college I've ever the, seen. Yeah, the roughing the passer call on TCU was absolutely atrocious. I mean, that was a tackle. There were the number of times for both sides, they just spotted the ball. You're like, that, that play ended on the 46. Why are they on the 44? <laughs> Wasn't that Pac-12 officials? SEC officials. Oh, is SEC. Yeah, we had That's Pac-12 right. Pac-12 at our was game, in bro. Atlanta. That's right. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah missed, missed PIs. There was a huge play in the final, one of Michigan's final drives, and maybe the final one where it was, a, it was the ball skipped off the ground and they didn't get the re- replay. And then there's just the absolutely epically unbelievable called back touchdown. Uh, Overturned, the right? Yeah. Roman Wilson catches the ball. His he he hits right at the goal line. Maybe it's a little under, but he's juggling the ball. Yeah. And he rolls in, and and they they reverse it. I have no idea where they had indisputable evidence, let alone any evidence, to turn it back. I mean, they took a touchdown off the board in a game much later that ended in a six-point decision. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of bad calls out there, but like that one, you can't take points off the board. And that set Michigan back now because they fumble on the next play. And they, you know, Michigan, you know, so that is an unbelievably bad call. There's the end of the game targeting call which a uh, crazy on its own right. Go uh, go back. Yeah. What is jump oh, in? Man. I mean, Oof, I, it looked like situational targeting. Now I don't think that one really. It's the end of the game, so Michigan still needed a miracle. There's only 20, 20, 25 seconds left or something like that. But it was still like, are we just going to be like, yeah, that's totally targeting, but you can target in the last two in seconds. The circle, yeah, like, okay, uh-huh. yeah, like the are end we, of a hockey game, you can th- maul someone in the last three seconds. You're know, getting a shoot, you know, whatever. I, I mean, it was that was a terribly officiated game for both sides. But 
the reason Michigan lost, and you can weigh in on this, was because J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you cannot win a football game throwing two pick sixes. Well, and they couldn't score in the red zone. Michigan had the two. And they couldn't score in the red zone. Yeah, and the red zone, just brutal. Uh, at three, one point, three inside the five, and they got three yeah. points out of them. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. at one point early in the game, right, there was like basically a twenty-one point swing because there was the pick six, and then there was two red zone trips by Michigan that resulted in zero points. The four, fumble in the fourth and goal. I mean, all the recipes for the upset. Like all the also. And this is this is probably like a more uh, you know thirty thousand foot view topic, but. Man, do we do we probably need to do something with review, like coaches' challenges or something? Like stuff's being reviewed so much, and it's wasting time. And then they're not sometimes getting it right. Uh, it's just it's been a frustrating year of reviews, and I wonder if we're going to see maybe some overhaul in that in the off season, at least discussion. Yeah, well, when they discuss it, we will discuss it on the pod because yes, I agree that that there has been enough review turmoil that yeah. it needs to be uh we need to review review but i will say yeah bad calls for sure but my god michigan could you possibly screw up any more inside the five yard line holy moly you know i mean Awful. like the the philly special call on the first <laughs> was that the first possession of the game it was yeah right? i believe so donovan edwards goes 54 yards up the gut and they get down there and you have the alleged best offensive line in the country against a defense that's pretty middling, and all of a sudden you're going to get cutesy pie with that crap on fourth down? I mean, if you're going to do that, kick the field goal. If that's going to be your answer, I mean, that was that was just indescribably bad play call. Yeah. And then to come back and botch the handoff and... Uh, JJ McCarthy has had some some handoff issues, some ball security issues, and you're handing it off to a linebacker when they go the fullback dive with Mullings. There, it's like, what? They what exactly was Michigan doing? They misplay like, Corum play so bad. You know, they don't have the depth, and and to not have Corum. I mean, their their red zone defense, their red zone offense. I mean, was terrible the whole year. Mm-hmm. It was like the mm-hmm. Achilles heel, and everyone was like, "This isn't going to work if you if you do this." But that. Yeah, that play. I mean, you're you're just not getting it. It's just not getting done. I mean, it's like you can't. Mullings is is a. I think he had nine carries on the year, or something like that. Yeah, and and several of them were against Illinois and Ohio State late. You know, I mean, right, he hadn't done he anything. He had to play offensively, and and you know, Edwards is not a, an every down back. Corum was the workhorse. Right. Edwards is the change right. of pace guy and out of the backfield. He's a great talent. He did an incredible job against Ohio State, but you know, he had he broke off the 50 something yard or 54 yard. The rest of the game he averaged 2.95 a carry. I mean, unbelievable right. effort by the TCU defense. Yeah, great credit to TCU. I I mean, boy. Their front TCU's front seven played their ass off. Let's say that, you know. 13 tackles for a loss on the team. Yeah. And an intent, they had four sacks by uh Dylan Horton Dylan Horton. Yeah. Uh there's an intentional grounding, three pass uh, deflections by uh Trevavius Hodges Tomlinson, 
Bud Clark had the picks. That Bud Clark is a heck of a talent. Jeez, six two and can run. He, he had the uh, he had a pick six, and D Winters was just absolutely incredible in that yeah. game. He had a pick six uh, and a whole mess of tackles. Uh, they they were excited to show that they were tough, and yes. they did not want to listen to this. This Michigan offensive line is just going to push us around and dominate. And I think Michigan figured it out pretty quick that they weren't pushing anybody around. And that's what panicked them on some of those red zone picks. But mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, having a freshman tight end try to throw the mm-hmm. Philly special. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. geez. I, uh, Monstrous. Yeah, it's TCU's been just, it, it really has been like this magical, incredible season. I don't know if it's going to end magical for them, but to get to the point where they are is truly incredible, especially when you look at, you know, a first year coach and what they did and what when in their roster in general. I mean, just look at the rec- rec- recruiting ranking stuff. It, 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 what Sonny's did there is incredible. And of all the years, right, for it to happen this year, a few weeks after Mike Leach passes, Sonny Dykes obviously on the Mike Leach tree, and Sonny Dykes attended the Mike Leach Memorial in Starkville. And I was there covering it. He was there. Not only that, but you know, there he's in the middle of a CFP preparing for a CFP. Comes to that, and then he stayed over at an after party in Starkville for a couple more hours, talking and telling Leach stories. You know, by all accounts, you know, in the coaching fraternity, he's well respected, great guy. It, it's it's cool to see this this happening to them. Uh, it's just a it's a really fun story, and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. Um, it, it's incredible they're here. I know Pat and I both visited Fort Worth this off season. Both sat down with Sonny, and I sat down with him like right after he got the job, a couple months after, like February or March. And I think I've said this on the show before. He basically looked at me <laughs> and said, "Yeah, we we're not very good. Uh, you know, we're we're we've got a ways to go." In in lo and behold, here they are. It's it's uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. And and yes, he's one of those guys, uh, it's not hard to root for Sonny Dykes. And he did say after the game, like when they were kneeling down at the end, that he thought of Mike Leach and he thought of his dad, Spike Dykes, who was mm. a like as, as Texas as a football coach could be, West Texas high school coach, became the Texas Tech coach, was an assistant to Daryl Royal at Texas. So like, you know, all that... All the romantic Texas football stuff, it flows through Sonny Dykes. So it's pretty cool to see for him and for them. But I will say, Dan, circling back real quick, to, I, I still think this is way worse for Michigan than for Ohio State. Because Michigan should have won. Yeah. Or at least yeah. theoretically, right? Like, yeah. I, I I think Ohio oh, State played won. extremely I mean, they... well and lost. I think Michigan contributed greatly to its own demise. I, I agree. I think Michigan, I, you know, again, the, the the refing was terrible and there were some weird calls, but you you cannot have two pick sixes. <laughs> you no. cannot have three points out of three trips to the red zone. You cannot have, uh, you, you cannot also not be able to run the ball, run McCarthy more, you know, yep. run run some different things. It, it was, you know, the, the defense... I mean, look, I mean, look, Max Duggan went 14 of 29. And 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 that right. was good enough to win the game. Wow. Did he? I didn't yeah. even see the stats. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. How many yards? A lot did of incompletions. They just but they hit massive plays. Big they had, plays. Yeah. They had massive plays. They had a 16, you know, they had a, wow. I mean, they had a 76 yard touchdown to Quentin Johnston. And then uh 
you know, they had, I mean, the running attack had the, the long 69 yard run. Yeah. He had two interceptions, had two TDs passing two rushing. I mean, the guy's just a baller. I mean, he just plays. Yeah. Um, yes. he, he's not great, but he plays. And it's just like, uh, when he, when they run those, those designed QB draws, he's like Cam Newton. Hmm. Like you yeah, can't no, tackle he's him. He's really too big. Very good quarterback runner. I mean, like really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, you know, so when he made the, the Heisman finalist, I talked to one of his high school coaches. He was coached by his dad, but the offensive coordinator was, was this other guy who I talked to. And they were all like the entire community in Iowa, where he's from council bluffs was so outraged when Sonny Dykes came in and benched him and was going to start and started Chandler Morris. So like they couldn't believe it. And it's probably very much to TCU's advantage that Chandler Morris got hurt in the third quarter against Colorado and Max Duggan came in and immediately showed, okay, yeah, I'm the guy here and uh, has mm. just played phenomenally ever since. So, you know, great, great story for Max Duggan. Yeah. Whole program. I mean, TCU is amazing. So, from 1960 to 1999, they had one eight-win season in 1984, and they had two seven-win seasons, one of them being 1998 with Franchoni. Yeah. I mean, their win totals, you know, four, three, six, four, four, two, four, three, four, four, six, five, three, one, one, zero, two, two, <laughs> two, one, two, three, one. I mean, this is awful football program. Yeah. yeah. They get left behind in in the Southwest Conference. They join the WAC for a few years. They get into Conference USA with Gary Patterson. God knows what itineration that was. Then they get in the Mountain West. Their stadium that old before they redid their stadium, it was decrepit. It's a smallish oh. private school Brutal. in Fort Worth. Yeah, they join the Big East for a little while. Never actually mm -hmm. played there. Patterson gets the program rolling. They win the Rose Bowl, go 13 and 0 in 2010. They have Andy Dalton. They go 12 and 1 in 09, 13 and 0 in 2010, 11 and 2, and they get in the Big 12. And then it starts to fall on hard times, but they've invested in Gary Patterson as all these guys like D Winters that are just like really good <laughs> players. And boom, here they are. It's it's an amazing story that this program that was this stuff doesn't happen in college football. It's like the, and so it's great to see because it's kind of like a, a, a an unfortunate feature of the sport that you just can't, you can't really rise up. And lo and behold, TCU rose up and just beat Michigan in the semifinals. It reminds me of, uh, just a little bit at least, it reminds me of Virginia Tech's like rise under Frank Beamer, like came out of nowhere and you look at their their past before Beamer got there and it's like, bad, you know, pretty bad in, you know, kind of a, it just, it, it just reminds me kind of of that, but there, there's been some instances I'm sure that you can compare them to, but, but, uh, it, it really is. It's crazy. Not like, like I said, I visited there for the first time. I'd never been, uh, I'd never been really to Fort Worth and I'd definitely never been on TCU's campus. And it was like, you know, February or March or so when I swung through town and what a cool campus and they've renovated the stadium and it's, it's pretty like, you know, it's right in the middle of the, the campus and it's, it's got that kind of urban kind of feel to it surrounded by campus buildings. And 
it, it's a pretty neat place and people people who go there seem to to love it and you know it's it's walkable to a lot of the like bars and restaurants and in Fort Worth area it's it's a cool it's a cool little happening spot and um it, it people i guess don't understand that Fort Worth is huge it's and i never understood it like i think it's the 15th or 12th biggest city in america Fort Worth and it's just overshadowed by Dallas but it's this huge city they kind of act smaller and has this small private school dropped in the middle of it that, as you mentioned, Dan, had historically been so bad, but it's dropped in such a talent-rich area that, man, if you get the right coach in there, right, they can do things, and they did with, with Gary, and Sonny's taken over and kind of picked it up. Well, it, it, it should give Fort – I mean, this has kind of been the question for all these years, and Fort Worth keeps growing, and it's got, like, a great little downtown. And, oh, yeah. You know, and it, it's not just Fort Worth. It's like, you know, Arlington's right there and, and uh, all, all these other, you know, all these other places that, you know, South Lake. It's, it's, it's right there in the Metroplex. You got all these t- players, t- these things. But the fans in the, in the casual city has never embraced the team. They've never filled the stadium. They never, you know, it's it's a small stadium. And I, if there's one thing this does, I hope it's that it gets people in in that city to be like, hey, we've got a team. Let's support the team. I, you know, I'm not a, you know, obviously a lot of the people there are already Longhorn fans or Aggie fans or OU fans or whatever. But it's like you got a local team there that's better than all those clubs mm. right now. Yeah, and so you know, show up at the games, fill it up. Um, yeah, I think that'd and be I know really they've cool. tried. They've tried very hard to connect with Fort Worth, and there's signs and stuff like that. I just don't know whether they get people to the stadium, but yeah, still, but it's a very they get cool. the players from Grand Prairie and, and Lake Worth and right. all these other places down there. And so, there's right. a ton of talent. There's a ton of talent, and he's doing it great. I mean, this is it's an unbelievable thing for a small a small school like that with no history to to get this far and the attention they're going to get in the next week about what is TCU, where is TCU, those kind of things that you don't you don't worry about when you're Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan. Right. Um, a, uh, so. a, a quick hat tip, cigarette rays and glass rays yeah. to Dan Jenkins, the, mm, the yeah. most famous TCU alum, certainly in our realm, mm. one of the greatest, if not the greatest sports writer ever. Uh, and Sally Jenkins tweeted, he smoked two packs of Winston's and now he's buying J&B for everyone in heaven. <laughs> Dan's passed, uh, but he was a TCU alum, a, you know, maybe the greatest college football writer ever. Press His, box and uh, daughter, right? Sally Jenkins, one of the absolute great writers. And uh, she, uh, she was enjoying this on behalf of her father for sure. Somebody else said... Uh, Seth Wickersham tweeted, I wish I could read Dan Jenkins on this game. And and Sally said, for once, the emotion of the moment might defeat him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dan cool. Jenkins is a huge TCU fan. I, I covered a game once, and he asked me, like, he, he was down on the program at the time, and I was there, and I covered And he's like, why? Why why did you cover this? Why are you writing about this? <laughs> like, uh, he would get down. <laughs> at one point, there was a scandal or something. There was, I'm going to mistell this story, but Sally told it. Uh, she was working, I guess, for the Washington Post at the time or somewhere, and there was they were investigating a cheating, some kind of cheating scandal involving TCU. They might have been buying recruits, and her first call was to her dad asking, are, are you the one buying the recruits? <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
The uh, the uh, he TCU said press box is named after him, right? Uh, it better be. Yes. I think so. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, maybe Wendell Barnhouse could get the. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> it's a great story uh, for them. I, that defense to me was just was just incredible the way they stood up stood up to that Michigan offensive line. I mean, they just blew through them. I thought Sonny Dykes coached a hell of a game. Yes. You know, and Harbaugh uh, didn't. Uh, he had his moments. There were some inspired moments by Michigan, but there were just too it, many mistakes. The, the timeout thing late in the game, I, I, uh, what, I, yeah, I was curious of Dan. You probably watched so it I, like I, I thought people were us, flipping but, out on social media, but I didn't see the problem with it. It would have gone the same way. Yeah, he didn't want to blow his timeouts and then right. give up the. Of the first down, so that wasn't an issue. I, don't I was know surprised was that he didn't take the timeout on the second first down. After the second first down, I guess right. the first first down I kind of understood, but like the second first down where it ran from, like it ran, you know, forty more but seconds they were, ran off the clock. Yeah, yeah but after, it would have run anyway. They, it would have run to the same amount of time anyway. Well, maybe so. I, I that could be. They just would have run I, the I, run the clock on fourth down. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, true. It, I the, guess. the clock yeah. thing wasn't an yeah. issue. They were a little slow getting that last touchdown, but that necessarily wasn't the issue. They their their final drive, they weren't going anywhere. Yeah. No. No. You know, and, and, I, and I will say that I, I am glad they did not call targeting just because I think that would have muddied the waters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was I, I'm glad it wasn't tar it was tar it was targeting. <laughs> it was. It was probably well, targeting, was. but to bail them like, out no. like that. Oh man, that's. But e even uh, then, they would have had. They yeah. would have had. Let me see. I mean, well, they'd it, had it to was go like 50, 20, 60 yards, probably right. So they were on their own twenty-five. Uh, yeah, so they would have gone yeah, to the forty 60. or so. Yeah. With yeah. twenty-something seconds left. But I was yeah. like, "Oh, that can't be targeting. That's ridiculous." And they're showing it. And you're like. Yeah, well, he did lower. His, eh, he did pretty he much. Did yeah. I mean, his, crown eh. of the helmet. And yeah, then you're led like, with the led with the crown of the helmet. Eh, and the anybody part targeting. is targeting, and but that was probably targeting. Yeah, that got a disproportionate amount of attention. His last play, but it's like they still were going to be hucking a hail mary. Yeah. Um. I mean, look, it's it's fourth down, and 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 the center and and McCarthy and Olu and McCarthy aren't on the same page. Oh yeah, that twice was on that series yeah. there was an offside. Right. Like it, right. this team was not going anywhere. The, no. This game was lost. JJ McCarthy, I give him credit. He plays so hard. He's trying to make plays. He 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 makes some great plays, but that second pick six was just he just stared him down, and you cannot win a football game with your quarterback throwing pick sixes totally stared him down and yeah. you know look he's he's he is a second year guy uh played as a true freshman uh so he's he's got some more to learn but you've that those are the kind of things you have to learn i mean look stetson bennett seeing, has has gotten himself into trouble 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 but gets himself out of it mccarthy has a little of that in him but tonight he couldn't get himself out of it he you know, couldn't make enough plays to overcome the mistakes he made. Well, you know what's interesting yeah. in that Michigan, the Michigan TCU game is the things that Michigan did, the errors it made, fumble on the goal line, the trick play in the on fourth fourth and goal, the the bobbled crazy fumbled snap on the last play of the game. Those are plays you would think that TCU would have made. 
Just right. You know, it, you just didn't expect them from the number two team in the nation, the the Big Ten champs to make. And uh, like if you'd have told me before the game, some team is making these plays. It's like, oh, well, that's that's TCU making those plays. You know, throwing pick sixes too. You know, two pick sixes. But no, it was it was Michigan. It was crazy. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, if, uh, they fumble at the one, the one inch line, and two pick sixes. That's basically twenty one points. And it's yep. just totally yeah. And then the fourth game. and goal. Yeah, I mean the fourth. I mean it just mm-hmm. twenty one point swing right there. Even with the with the Philly special play, yep. they they needed to develop a short yardage running attack in that month. They didn't. I mean, there was a million things. I just think Michigan's going to look back and go, "We should have won the football game." But I, I think I said this in the story I wrote. Like almost everybody TCU played this year walked off the field and went, "How the hell did we lose?" Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, we should have beat those guys. I yeah. think we're better than those six, guys. And six it's like, of yeah, them. Well, yeah. Six times they had double-digit leads in the second half. You know, I yeah. mean, it, six of those games, double six digit, of those deficits, fourteen yeah. games. Yeah, double-digit. Yeah, I mean, TCU was. Yeah, I mean, it just. Uh, it is. You're right. That's a great way to put it. Is is so many teams probably did walk off yeah. the field and, and think Michigan's how we, just another it, one now. It it's really like, it, it is it is kind of like a magic. They're op- opportunistic. They they play really hard. They have a really smart coach, and they have like this gritty quarterback who's just like a playmaker. It's 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 really quite quite a story. You make a mistake with them, and they will punish you. Yep. You know, McCarthy is staring and D Winters is a is a linebacker. And he drags back and he hides and bang and he's gone. And it's just like yep. that. And it's like that. I mean, Michigan had it cranking. It was 28-16. It was 21-16 and Alston TCU scores and it's like boom. And that game the game should have been over. 34-16 at that point. But Michigan keeps climbing back. They just kept coming and coming and coming and coming and then they they just couldn't get, you know, it's just I don't know. I'd I, I'd, I'd have to rewatch that game, but I, I just yeah. in Ann Arbor they'll just forever sit there, and y- you can blame officiating, and and they got a point, but there was a lot of bad calls that went TCU's way too. But man, you had every opportunity to win the game. You lost to a team you should have beat, and I say that with them playing an absolutely terrific game. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. No. And we'll get to no. The amazing thing about this night to me, there's 179 points scored. And at various times, I was sure all four tor- teams were going to win, mm. right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I was right. sure TCU was going to win. Which we didn't have. Oh, no. We've Michigan's never had coming back. Michigan's definitely going to win. And then, oh, no, and Ohio State's going to win. Yeah. And then uh, Georgia takes the lead. And then Ohio State takes the lead back. I mean, it was a phenomenal night of football. Finally, yeah, semifinals that deliver, right? Finally, semifinals yeah. that deliver. And it was on a Saturday. It's New Year's Eve, yeah. which sucks. I hate to do yeah. it, but at least it was a Saturday. Yep. I mean, I hated those Friday, New Year's Eve, you know, weekday. Right. Yeah. Like, but you know, everyone stop. in California is working. Like, it's still yeah. 1 o'clock. It's like, dude, I'm an Amazon driver. I don't get to, <laughs> you know, cut out still, early. Though, so we, it was great. We, we got to stop the New Year's Eve games. It's just, no, it, that's a whole nother, like, that's a whole pod. But, and it's going to stop. Like, the, the, at least 24 and 25, they're going to have at most one quarterfinal on New Year's Eve. And that, it might not even be one because right. they know. I mean, it just, it's not, this is not good it for It works anybody. for us and it works for people like us that are that into it. But yeah. And then you got the balloons in Columbus, the poor bar owners. <laughs> <laughs> there you that go. was, wow. Up. That's Think about incredible. that. 
the kick. It was a three IPA pod in Atlanta. I can tell you that. There you yeah, go. It was something else. All right, real quick, real quick look ahead. We're going to talk about it again later this week. But yeah. yeah. Georgia, uh, just to, to win. Could TCU win? I mean, you'd be stupid to say, no, they can't at this point because they yeah. do keep doing it. But Georgia is better Michigan. They are better in almost every single phase of the game, I believe. Actually, probably in every single phase. Yeah. If they, you if think, they have a quarterback, the now, Ohio Stetson State has, of today beats Michigan a week, a month ago, because they weren't better yeah. against Ohio State. No, no. But uh, I just, I, th- I think that that if Stetson Bennett, who is he, can screw up, but if he doesn't throw two pick sixes, yeah. I mean, if if they don't just give it to TCU, yeah, they're they are physically superior to the Frogs. Well, in something, yeah, I mean, I, I think the answer to the question is, yeah, of course TCU can win. But I think one things we, one of the things we saw tonight, at one point, maybe in the third quarter, Georgia was averaging 10.5 yards a carry. And what, for whatever reason, just, you know, didn't run the ball as much. And I have a feeling that would change uh, on, on January 9th. The physicality. Uh, you could see Kirby saying, "Hey, we're we're going to take it to him, kind of thing," and and we're so much better on the line, sort of thing. Uh, and and it'll just be a grinding game, and maybe it'll be a Kirby special game, which you know the old Kirby throwback Nick game, you know, twenty four to fourteen or something like that. I could kind of see that happening. I mean, a game plan will be the same. Michigan couldn't execute it, but yeah, you can run right. the ball and control the line of scrimmage and control clock and. And simplify the game. Yeah, uh, yep. TCU is a chaos team, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They, <laughs> they need. I will say real quick, just to like the general vibe from Georgia was, God, we're glad we won, but we sucked. Like they were very critical of themselves, like stem to stern. Everybody you talked to is like, oh, that wasn't. We weren't very good. So it's not like they they know that they flirted very heavily with disaster. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. All right. Well, that was one hell of a night of football. And uh, even though it's four something in the morning, 419, uh, we're happy to be able to discuss it with you. Uh, happy New Year's to everyone. Thank you all for listening 2022. Hope you keep in 2023. We even have more fun in the in the quote unquote off season because it never really is an off season. But uh, we'll be back later this week, uh, obviously, to preview the title game and discuss other stuff. Also, I think we're going to do a live show. I believe Uh, if you're listening, I should have promoted this. I'll promote this earlier next time at LA live in Los Angeles next Sunday, the day before the championship game at the, uh, whatever the fan fan fest they've got there. Uh, Probably about four or 5 PM. We got working out the details. It could be a lot of fun. Could also be a shrill shrieking disaster. Yes. Yeah. And sobriety is optional in that as well. If you want to watch us do a podcast live, we've done a couple of these. It's I don't know how yeah. exciting it is, but you know, we're, we're, we we'll only do them there. in California, I think, because we did the other one in, in Santa Clara, right? Yeah, San Jose. That's which yeah, didn't San even Jose. know the game was happening. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst. That was the worst. That was the worst championship. Ever. I mean, I, I give him credit for trying and Five saying, "Let's go, brutal. go to San Francisco." I was like, 
Uh, like, what's happening? Why are literally people at the Italian thing? restaurant? They're like, "Oh, what are you in town for? Oh, the game. What game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Warriors game. Uh, anyway, right. keep subscribing. Tell your friends about us. Uh, share us on social media. We will talk to you later.